On this episode of Scammer Stories... When you realize that it's happened to you, it's like a light bulb goes off in your head and you're going, how could I have been so stupid? A Hurricane Katrina survivor is targeted by a scumbag scammer. And not only her, but her children. He insinuated himself in my kid's life. The scammer drained the money Lisa received from a bad car accident. It just hurt me that I put this person ahead of my family. My name is April, and you've heard my story after a scammer took $200,000 from my mother. Here's Lisa's story of not just one, but several scamming attempts and how she came back from the nightmare. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you a mother, a grandmother? I am a mother. I have a 27-year-old daughter and a 24-year-old son. I live in um, Louisiana. I live in a small college town called Hammond. I used to work at a beauty store, but I had a job injury back in 2015, so um, I I can't work. Oh, wow. Hmm. But, you know, I'm just a normal, regular person. Where were you first approached by someone? Okay, way back in the day, before any of these big dating sites, I was on Yahoo Personal. That's how I met the first person. He asked me for my phone number, and I gave it to him. I'm not quite so giving anymore, but, I mean, this was, you know, back in, I think, 2007 or eight, And then um, I met him in 2009. He introduced himself and everything, and I um, messaged him back, and he asked me for my phone number. So I gave him my phone number, and we started chatting back and forth. This went on for... In a couple of weeks, he lived in Alabama, and I was under the impression that he had lived there for a while and that he was an American man. Come to find out, he was supposedly from Germany, and he had only been in Alabama for like maybe four or five months. Then he pops up and says, after a couple of weeks of us chatting, that he had to go to London. He would buy fabrics from wholesale companies, and then he would resell it to the designers. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so he went over there, and I'm chatting to him while he's over there. And and then after he had been there about a week, he told me that he had made a mistake and bought so much material that was being held at customs. He had spent all the money that he had for a return ticket. Now he was flat broke, and he needed me to send him $12,000 so that he could get his material and then sell it and then get his ticket, and then he said he would refund my money to me. I didn't have any money. You know, we were living with my mother at the time. We had just went through Hurricane Katrina, and we had lost everything. So we weren't even settled in our own place yet. And I told him, I said, I just don't have it, you know, and he, he kept badgering me and badgering me and badgering me. So finally, I said, you know what? I'll see what I can do. And I managed to scrape together a couple of hundred dollars, and I sent it to him. Well, the more I sent, the more he needed. And I kept telling him, whatever money I send you, use it for a return ticket, and then when you get here, we can meet and we can figure out how to raise that money 
to go get your things. Well, he ended up being over there, supposedly over there, for a couple of years. After everything was over with and I finally said, enough is enough, he ended up getting almost $10,000 from me. It was money that I couldn't afford to lose, but I was stupid. I was very, very trusting back then. But anyway, after hmm, maybe two years, I ended up getting an email from him, and he told me that he had come back to the United States, and he had looked for me, but he couldn't find me, so he went back to London. Well, I'm like, no, you couldn't have possibly come back because I never changed my address. I never changed my phone number. You didn't reach out to me. My um, email stayed the same. So everything that he was telling me was a lie. How long did you guys speak then from the first time you talked to him until you decided that you were done with him? How long a period of time was that? I'm almost positive it was a little over two years. Okay, and then two years after that, he contacts you again. Yes, after after I had already been over it and I, we had no contact, I opened my email one morning and there was an email from him and I'm like, whoa, you know, and I said, well, why are you contacting me, you know, and then told him, you know, well, you, you haven't had anything to do with me. You took all my money, and and he, he apologized for it, and he said, well, I tried to find you, and, I, and that's when I told him, no, you didn't, because I've never left the area. I'm still in the same place I was before. So that was my first rude awakening into being scammed. And when you realize that it's happened to you, it's like a light bulb goes off in your head and you're going, how could I have been so stupid? What was the moment that you realized that? What was the one thing that happened when that light bulb went off? Um, I had been in a car accident, me and my daughter. And I don't know how he knew, but every time I received a little bit of money, it's like he automatically knew. And I had received a settlement from a car accident. And that's where the bulk of the money that I sent him came from. He gave me many excuses over the years that um, I had saved money and he told me that he was on his way to the airport with the ticket in his hand so that he could come back and he got in an accident and somebody got killed. And uh, there was a, another time where I gave him money and his son got beat up and he, he needed money for um, some school books for his son and for the medical bills for his son so that he could get him stitches and, and medication and stuff and always something. And it was never anything minor. It was always catastrophic, you know. But after I sent him the money from the car accident and he told me that he didn't use it for the ticket because I sent him the money and he said he had the ticket, but he let the ticket expire because he wanted more money from me. And I told him I didn't have any more money, that that was it. And he got mad at me, and we had an argument, and that's when I realized, I said, you know what, i got to cut my losses and get out. Lisa, my goodness. Okay, so you had a workplace mm -hmm. injury, and then you're a Hurricane Katrina <clears throat> survivor, and then you are in a car crash, and then you're the victim of a scam. You've been through well, wait, a lot. That's the way to get better than that. <laughs> in 2016... We woke up uh, one morning and our apartment is flooded. We had waste high water. We had a, a, a flood during the night and everybody in our apartment complex was just 
wiped clean. We had nothing. And we were homeless for six weeks. My daughter's fiance's family took us in. But now we're doing good, you know. So I was telling my daughter this morning, I said, you know, you don't realize everything that's happened to us in the last few years. But we've we've managed to get ourselves in a better place. And we've done it on our own. You know, we didn't have to go begging people for anything. Or That's what I call resilient. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what did your children say? Did they know all along that you were talking to someone oh, yeah. online? They knew all along because he insinuated himself in my kids' lives. He always wanted to talk to them on the phone and make all these plans of them and his son getting together and having relationships and stuff. So they knew everything that was going on. So every time something happened, it hurt me so bad to have to tell. My my daughter is strong. She's like me. But my son, he's real sensitive, like, you know. When I had to tell him these things, I could see a look of pain on his face. It just hurt me that I put this person ahead of my family. I'd never thought of the kids being disappointed yeah. that they're not going to meet this person. I've never heard of that yeah. kind of story before. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. When yeah. did they realize, and then how did they react? Every time I tried to get more money for him, you know, and, and I would tell my daughter, well, this happened or that happened. and I, I think that she could tell better than I could. But when you think that you love somebody, even though you've never met them, and you want to help them and you want them to come back to the United States and and to to have a good life, you know. Now, looking back on it, I'm just so humiliated that I acted that way. Okay, so let's talk about your finances. Mm -hmm. What did that do to your finances? Well, at the time, it made everything really um, tight because we were trying to move from my mom's house into our own apartment. And, um, you know, we needed the first month and last month and security deposit and all of that. So it made things a little tight for us in that amount of time. I ended up getting a job and my daughter, we had ended up both getting a job around the same time. And um, so then, you know, we were able to save our money and, and, you know, get ourselves out of that situation. I ended up having to file bankruptcy. I had kept everything that I had when I would go get the um, the money orders. I kept all the receipts and everything, and I had everything labeled because I'm very meticulous. So when uh, I was giving the money, I kept a close record of everything. So when it was all over, I was like, you know, it's over with. I'm going to move on, and I did. It wasn't until there was another guy that, tried to get money out of me a couple of years later, I was like, no, 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 I, I don't know you well enough to give you, you know. Well, then that was over with. And then I met another guy on okay, Cupid, and he was supposedly from Texas. We, we had been chatting for a long time, you know, for um, at least six months before he started asking me for money. But before, when we had first started chatting, he would say something to me, and I would say, well, um, I don't do that. You know, I, I don't do that online. And he was like, don't you trust me? Don't don't you want to be loyal to me? And just accusing me, you know, like this accusatory 
tone and his uh, voice and in his text. I couldn't understand why. And then um, he said that he worked in con- doing road construction for a company in Texas, but they had a job to do in Nigeria. Well, I didn't know anything about all these Nigerian scams or anything. So he went over there, did the job. I knew before he had left that he was telling me that he had been to the doctor and he had a knee injury and he was on pain pills for the knee injury. So he said that when he was coming back to the United States, he had sent me a an email that had the itinerary for the airlines that had the flight number and when he was coming in and where and everything because he wanted me to meet him at the airport in New Orleans. So I did. Me and my daughter, we went over there to meet him and never showed up. So I went to the airline and I tried to get information and they wouldn't tell me anything. They said it was not my business, but that they couldn't give out information on passengers to just anybody. So we left and we came home. Then when I, I didn't hear from him, I get a, um, I think it was an email I had received or a text from his friend who he works with. And he said, well, um, I've got some bad news. He said, he's in jail. I was like, well, what do you mean he's in jail? He said, well, the airline went from Nigeria to Amsterdam. They had a layover in Amsterdam because something was wrong with the airplane. When they went into the airport, they were searched. And he had the bottle of pain pills in his luggage, and they brought him to jail because Amsterdam has a law. No matter what kind of pain pill it is, you automatically go to jail. So they started asking me to get money for his bail. I went and got a payday loan, and I scraped together some of my money. I think he had wanted, like, $750. But I couldn't come up with that much. I only came up with, I think it was maybe 250 or 300 and I sent it. Well, I hear nothing. Then finally, a couple of days later, I kept sending messages, you know, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. And um, I get a message from his sister that said, he's dead. It really shocked me. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not getting my money back, you know. I didn't believe he was dead. By this time... I'm in the realization that it was another scam, so I let it go. I didn't say anything. You know, I'm scrambling around trying to figure out how am I going to pay this payday loan back and everything, and that's what made me file bankruptcy. I immediately called a lawyer and told him I wanted an appointment that day. He said, no, I can't give you an appointment that day. It's going to take you a long time to get all this information together. Let's plan it for a couple of weeks. I'm like, no, I want an appointment tomorrow. So he gave me the appointment and he said, now, you know, you have to have all of this information. I said, don't worry about it. I went in there with everything. When I showed him everything I had, he was like, boy, you really weren't kidding. You had all the information. I was so embarrassed to have to talk to him about it. I'm crying the whole time. I'm explaining things to him and making him understand and He's just profusely apologizing because he's making me cry. And it was the most humiliating thing I've ever been through. But I got myself over it. I paid everything back. I'm good. You know, my financial situation is 
a hundred times better than it was back then. I'm just so thankful that it's over with. And I had to talk to the judge when I went into the into court, and the judge explained to me about scamming and everything. And I had to make a promise to the judge that I would give no one money online, no one, not even if I know them. If it's online, don't give it to them. That's what I tell everybody when they start asking me for money because, oh, my God, I've had so many people keep contacting me for money. I had a guy claiming to be a Brazilian heart surgeon. Now, I I had already looked up this heart surgeon. I already knew all about him. He was married and everything, and this guy's pretending to be him and wanting a, a relationship with me, and I kept telling him, look, I know I know this isn't you. This man is married. I've seen his YouTube videos with his wife. Don't lie to me. And he finally admitted he was a young boy from Ghana. No way. He admitted it? He admitted it. He was poor. He wanted money to go to school. He didn't have the money, and he wanted me to pay. And I told him, show me your picture, and I'll send you money. And... He kept saying, no, I need the money first. No, I need the picture first. And he never would send me the picture, and then he um, he blocked me. But, yeah, I've had two people admit that they weren't who they are. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another guy was from OkCupid. He messaged me on Hangouts ages ago because I don't even use Hangouts anymore. I haven't used it in over two years. And he contacted me um, about six months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. He kept arguing with me that I knew him. And I kept saying, no, I don't. I don't remember having that conversation with you. And then he got ugly and we said some pretty nasty words to each other. And then he finally admitted, well, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not this person in this photo. And then he told me who he was. So, So, Lisa, have you dated anyone in the last few years? You mean in a real person? Yeah. In in, in my daily life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I had a guy that I met on um, OkCupid, and he was from Mississippi, and he would drive over here, and we would go to the movies and go out and eat, but it wasn't anything romantic. You know, it was more like a friendship. Yeah. Then I did have one, uh, one guy here in Hammond. We went out for coffee, and, you know, we hung out a little bit, but that was it. Nothing romantic. So you're still online. You're just more careful. Oh, yes. I'm extremely careful. There's a lot of people. I get contacted all the time. But I just tell them, you know, we can be friends. We can chat. If you want anything more than a friendship, you have to meet me in person. And, of course, they won't. That's perfect. Nobody ever wants to meet in person. You know, I'm just a normal person. I I don't own my own company. I don't. I don't have a lot of money. I I don't have a pension from my ex-husband. I'm just getting by on day-to-day life, you know. I'm just a normal person. So your meticulous record-keeping, did that help you with your bankruptcy case? Oh, yes. If it wouldn't have been for that, it would have taken me ages to get all of that information together. This isn't something I've been like all my life because when I was younger, I really didn't care, you know, if the bill got paid, oh, well, you know. But I don't know why, but since I've gotten older, 
become very into keeping records of everything. I, I can't explain why. It's just how I've become. And it's interesting that you can still get a bankruptcy approved after you've been a scam victim. Yeah. It has to be a certain amount of money. I think it has to be over $10,000. But I used everything. I just clumped. I had bills that um, I had let go to the wage side, you know, and I had a few things here and there over the years. And I just clumped everything together and took that to the lawyer's office. And they said, yeah, that I had enough. I had enough to file for bankruptcy because you can't do it on like $1,000. It it has to be worth their time to do a bankruptcy. And I was able to keep my vehicle. One more question before I go. Anything that you have to say, maybe a piece of advice or maybe a few clues for other women? You have to stay strong. You cannot let them bully you into doing what they want. I have been bullied so many times online. I have been called the worst names you can imagine. I mean, if you only knew the stuff that I've had to endure with these people online, and they don't care. They don't care about you. All they're worried about is getting that next dollar, getting that next money order. Do not send money orders to Ghana or Nigeria or any African country. I don't want to sound prejudiced, but that's where it's all coming from. So if they're asking you for money and they want you to send it to someone that's not them, that's in one of these African countries, don't do it. It's automatically a scam. I've learned, especially from Facebook, I can't do it on OkCupid or, or Plenty of Fish or any of the other ones, but on, uh, on Facebook, you can go into that person's profile and you can look at all of their friends. If it doesn't give you their friend list, look at who's commented on their photos. Look at who has liked their photos. If they're claiming that they're American or they're in the United States military and all of their friends are from Nigeria, if they are from the United States or in the military, they're going to have other people from the United States and from the military as Facebook friends. And if they don't, if everyone is from one of those African countries or now I'm finding it's India and also um, those Indonesian countries like Thailand, that it's a scam contacting you to build you up for a scam. And you just have to stay strong and you have to get a thick skin and whatever nasty thing they tell you, just blow it off and say, I'm better than this. They don't know me. I'm a good person. And just keep doing your daily thing, you know. Don't even worry about them. Sometimes it helps to just delete them 
and not worry about it because I've had to do that. As I, after I've looked at some profiles and I'm like, well, do I want to play the game today or do I want to just be happy? And I'll just delete the friend request. It comes down to being happy. If this person is asking you for money now, and all of these people that contact you, and especially the military ones, they want you to pay for a plane ticket so they can come back, or they want you to pay for designer clothes and designer fragrances. I mean, really stupid stuff. The military's not like that. The military doesn't make them pay for their own plane ticket, especially not a $10,000 plane ticket, because I've had somebody ask me for that before. The military provides for their own. I saw um, on one of the um, scam sites, um, and they post fake profiles and fake conversations. And uh, I saw one said the other day, the guy was in the military, and he said that because uh, Donald Trump is president, they won't feed him anymore. And uh, all I could do was laugh. I'm like, please, just laugh about it, you know, because I don't <laughs> that's the only advice I could give them. They just laugh about it. I love it. I hope Lisa's story of struggle and survival inspires others to stay strong. There is light at the end of the tunnel after you realize you're a victim. On the next episode of Scammer Stories, we're going to hear from the first male victim of a romance scam on this podcast. Now, this man is smart. He's a professor with a medal from Harvard. He's been treated horribly after going through an unimaginable story. Until next time, my scammer warriors.